Hello and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. This week's guest is Daniel Thomas. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, nice to have you. Um, taking us a bit longer. I think this is possibly the most back and forth we've ever had up front with a guest. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think I've had a few. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a few. Are you actually? I've had a few. That's took um, months. I think, it's just circumstances have got the better as with COVID and various other bits and bobs. So it is actually nice to like meet you in person, finally. Um, so I think the day we're going to, well, this is one of these ones where we, you know, cover loads of topics most of the time because we don't understand them <laughs> uh, and we want to like, either, you know, educate ourselves or learn something. I think this is probably one of these ones for us today. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be talking uh, sort of crypto and, you know, where it is just now uh, and potentially some of like the NFT type stuff because it's become quite prominent. You know what I mean? Like we get, you know, uh, social media followers all the time that are literally like, you know, invest in this exchange mm-hmm. and blah, blah, So it has come to like, it's always, I understand it's been about for a long time, but I feel like there has been like in recent years a very like, almost sort of mainstream in it. And I'm like, right, so what actually, or, you know, what do we need to know about it sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, you are a lecturer at Strathclyde and what was it, cybercrime you said? Yeah, cybercrime, measuring security um, and fun things around that. So you can probably signpost where we're going to go with this. Um, but I, I mean, probably the best thing we can do now is just like broad strokes, like, you know, what it is. Because there might be folk out there who have been living mm-hmm. in caves or whatever it happens to be and don't really get it. So um, I don't know. How would how would you define like, you know, sort of crypto for people? I don't know. Is that, is that too broad a question? So so I'm I'm an old fogey. And so for me, crypto means cryptography. And cryptography is a thing that's been around for a very long time. Yep. Um, but um, in practice these days, it means cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. and related things um, which use cryptography, but um, very much not just cryptography. Yeah. Cryptography is what means that when you, can, when you do online banking, um, it should be secure and no one can get your data. Yeah. Um, crypto is actually quite a broad term these days. It means... A, it means kind of a lot of things and also not very much at all because it's it's used as a buzzword. So people yeah. just put it on as a label on things that aren't necessarily very crypto-y at all mm-hmm. um, in order to gain additional investment or PR or whatever. So yeah. it's, it's become a bit bit meaningless. But in general, um, it's usually got some sort of some aspect of a distributed ledger, which mm-hmm. is where there's some record of all the transactions that we made in the system yeah. that's visible to either to everybody or just to some people it depends on, on the system mm-hmm. um and which is supposed to be immutable and that you can't ever change it once something's been put in and this is the blockchain yeah this is the blockchain um so there's usually some sort of blockchain that i've picked up yeah blockchain. um and and that that idea is not not that uh new uh, it wasn't new when bitcoin started using it mm-hmm. um but bitcoin had popularized it and uh now there are lots of other things that use it um, it's not always a good idea for them to have used it. Right. But it's fairly widely. Because, I mean, there are, I mean, I think one of the, the, the sort of early ones that I come into, I know that, you know, I think this week seen, um, like, the first conviction in America for wire fraud related to, like, Bitcoin or uh, sort of cryptocurrency transactions. Um, like, it's always felt like something that had, like, a, like a bit of dodgy edge to, to me, to be honest mm-hmm. when you go back to things like like the Silk Road and the whole Dread Pirate Roberts thing where, I mean, a lot of that was, you know, transactions were all exclusively in uh, sort of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Um, like, I don't I don't know where it then gets the, the legitimacy for because, like, it does, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. So I think I'm just, um, I think that 20% of all bitcoin is proceeds of crime right. or something like that which um is ridiculous yeah, for a currency uh-huh. like if all if all if all pound coins in circulation mm-hmm. had at some point well like were the proceeds of crime that would be ridiculous like, yeah um, so so i mean there's there's a lot of that in it i guess a part of that is because 
it was designed to be something that was outside of normal regulation, outside yeah. of mm-hmm. that. And that there were different groups of people who used that. So mm-hmm. something like um, the Tor network, which is used, which is an anonymous communication network, um, that's really useful for journalists. That's really useful for yeah. intelligence agencies. That's really useful for terrorists. It's it's kind of got a it's got a wide range of possible yeah. users. Um, and similarly, with something like um, a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, then you can use it for crime. Mm-hmm. You could use it for other things as well. Like there are yeah. there are legitimate use, use cases. Um, but there's a lot of crime because mm-hmm. they have the kind of have the biggest incentive to use it. Yeah. I think one of the other sort of intersections for me as well, when you know I was starting to piece together what, what we're going to talk about or what we're, you know where we're going to go today, the the crime element of it, there's also like a, a you know I think quite an off-putting culture to like you know we we joke about I think when we initially put the tweet out we were like we want to speak to somebody who's like no a crypto bro ideally, um so there, there's this I find that the whole thing quite off-putting for the outside looking in so they. But at the same time, I think in recent years, it definitely is something that seems to be coming like maybe a mainstream thing. Um, I don't know how the two reconcile because I think with other things that look at the stick that, you know, any other sort of culture, I think like gaming and movies and stuff have had over the years about the impact, that the negativity that gets enhanced and sort of blown out of proportion when we talk about them. I feel like when we're talking about the cryptos and things, it's almost as if that element is being minimised rather than like sort of properly explored. Um, and I think maybe that's why I'm like, we need to sort of dig into this a bit more and actually like figure out what we're talking about. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so it's it is there is a, it's a lot of really toxic culture associated with it, mm-hmm. um, and has been um, for a long time, and I think it's getting worse rather than better. And and there's a lot of scams. A lot of it is is mm-hmm. so. I guess there's there's the um, there's that poem about how that the 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 law um, catches up with the person who steals a goose off the common, but leaves a larger villa noose who steals a common off the goose and there's there's and you there's a kind of there's both ends of that in crypto there is there are really really big multi-billion pound what appear to be frauds like yeah totally there's, there's, it's 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 not just a ponzi scheme but they're definitely hiding stuff and they're, they're making lots of money by doing bad stuff mm-hmm. um and then they're also kind of much more smaller scale Crimes and frauds are just just like a couple of people doing a, doing a scam, stealing tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, rather yeah. than um, printing billions of dollars and pretending they've got it in a bank account when they don't mm. to back up a cryptocurrency. Yeah, and then you know, selling that from other cryptocurrencies, cashing out, and they've just pretended they had. They've basically done. Um, they printed printed currency they didn't have the right to print because they printed the US dollar yeah. and they're not the Federal Reserve. I mean one of the things that I seen in the build up to this was somebody commenting along the lines that you know the, the sort of current sort of boom in the industry is actually um, early investors and early adopters who see that there's no real future in it and are actually essentially trying to no pump and dump but they are trying to get out and to do that they need to bring more people in. And that's probably what was one of my big concerns is that it is something that a lot of folk, including myself, don't really understand, but there is now, you know, a level of pressure being applied through social media and various other bits and bobs to, you know, get people involved in this, you know, uh, you know, see a lot of guys go, I'm not giving financial advice because legally they're not allowed to give financial advice, but um, they are essentially kind of gain, you know, it's almost like, you know, it's no financial advice I'm giving you, but mm-hmm. it is like, you know, don't lose, don't invest anything you can't afford to lose. And I'm like, that is the type of advice I hear mates get the other mates when they're talking about putting money on a gambling app. You know what I mean? Like, I, I put a 10 on every Saturday, but it's, you know, I can afford to lose that. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I've encountered other areas of investment where, again, it's it's framed in quite like this is a gamble because the markets themselves or the exchanges, from what I understand, are really quite volatile. Um, so putting money into this type of exchange or this type of investment portfolio or whatever we want to call it um, isn't actually necessarily a great guarantee. I mean, I think when we were talking back and forth, I joked about, you know, guys like Elon Musk can send a tweet and it sends the entire market on a nosedive. And I'm like, I don't see that level of like volatility or like outside influence in like the banking markets. But then again, I don't understand the banking markets anymore. 
then I understand, you know, the crypto. So it might very mm-hmm. well be that somebody can get that level of influence. But um, I, it doesn't seem like a very safe bet. It's not. It's a really unsafe bet. It's 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 so like if you you invest in uh, in stock market stuff, then you have to be prepared to lose your money because it might be that the company you bought collapses completely, you end up with nothing. That's the kind of standard practice in investment in stock markets. Mm-hmm. But with cryptocurrencies, <clears throat> there's nothing fundamental underlying it, right? So it's not like if you invest in um in a company then um they use that money at least in theory to yeah buy more factories yeah. or whatever and then that produces something that gets sold and has some real value somewhere yeah or it or it's some service and it like someone gets something out of yeah. it and there's a value in it with cryptocurrencies is more a kind of you, you kind of, the analogy is with investing in currencies you buy lots of pounds with your euros and you hope that the relative rates yeah. go up or down you make money that way but um but those actually have value because you can pay your taxes in pounds, you can pay your taxes in euros, and that's yep. fundamentally the cause of their value mm-hmm. in that you're obliged to pay taxes in those currencies. That's what gives them value. Um, no one's paying, has to pay their taxes in, well, that's okay, that's not quite true. You, you don't pay taxes in cryptocurrencies in this country or no. um, most anywhere else. It's unpopular enough that it might not be true everywhere but yeah um but there, there's no, nothing fundamental underlying it and yeah. there's no or guarantee it will ever anything. go up uh-huh. it may it will go it'll go up and down it's basically a ponzi scheme um except it's a kind of there's a there's a there's a good article in the financial times about how it's worse than the ponzi scheme it can't actually ever die because you can't take all the money out of it because it the, the, the currency yeah. still exists you just becomes worthless mm-hmm. and so it can always come back up again um all the money that goes into it doesn't isn't left in it there. So in a Ponzi scheme, um, then money goes in, money goes out to other people. Yeah. Someone ends up with the money. At the end of the day, the lawyers can come around and find out where the money went and get it back and give it back to the original investors. Mm-hmm. That's at least in theory. That, yeah. That's possible. But with cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, where's all the money gone? Money's gone to buy coal, to burn in power stations, to run cryptocurrency miners in big warehouses yeah and all that money has been spent on making the world burn and so there's nothing left to return to the original investors you cash out bitcoin all you have is co2 in the atmosphere yeah and you know deaths of millions of people i definitely seen something and this was years ago this was just maybe as it was starting to come into a mere sort of like general sort of awareness for people and i think it was in china and it was a documentary that actually showed one of these sort of crypto mining uh, farms or, you know, warehouses or whatever. And the actual logistics and stuff that went into making it were just terrifying. And I think, again, as we were talking before this, I think I might even said to you the other week that I read somewhere that somebody had said that the mining a cryptocurrency has had such a negative impact in terms of environment and resources that it's already exceeded any sort of meaningful, you know, what anybody could expect to take back with it. So it's already done so much ecological or, you know, it's otherwise damaged that even if, you know, these things max out the way people expect or want them to, um, it's still not going to replace the value that we've, we've kind of taken out of the system to get us here. Yeah, I mean, it's using as much um, electricity as a reasonably sized European country. It's... it's um, and 0.55% of global electricity all across the entire world going into just into Bitcoin mining. And that's a ridiculous what? amount of money. So how, can you, I, I've got no idea. How does that happen? So what happens with the, with the cryptocurrency mining is that um, we can come back to the, to the blockchain again. And in the, in the blockchain, there are um, blocks of transactions. There's a group of transactions all go together and either all these transactions get recorded or none of them do. Um, and they how how they end up in the block is beside the point. But um uh and but they miners, what they do is they they choose a random number and they make a hash over that, which is, again doesn't really matter what that is, over this block, and that's kind of an identifier for the block. And that all that matters for the purpose of this is that they're the hash function, they can't tell in advance what the answer is going to be. They need to get a particular value on that. 
Um, so they have to pick a random number that gives them the right value on the hash at the end with enough zeros at the beginning. Um, but they can't guess what's going to be the right number. They have to try and they keep trying and they try millions, millions and millions and millions of different random numbers until they get the right one. And then that means that they get to mint that block. And when they do that, they get all the fees associated with those transactions and they get any new coins that get generated by yeah. that transaction. And that's how they make money. And so my understanding was you earn Bitcoin by essentially processing Bitcoin transactions on the right. ledger. Okay. In very broad terms, I've understood that. Right. Okay. So you so that means you need um, to make this work. You need a special hardware that's specific to this. So then you um, to buy all these all, all these uh, chips to do that, uh, and then you need lots of electricity to run these. They're uh -huh. very power, power hungry. Right. Okay. Um, and then you you've got whole coal coal power stations, whole oil power stations running just for the purposes of doing um, mining cryptocurrency. So recent right. in the last few these years. Are like Huge industrial That's crazy. just follow drives so processing transactions. You might have heard that Kazakhstan had this big um, revolution recently and there was lots of public protest and uh -huh. so on. Uh, and that was caused by Bitcoin because um, recently China threw the Bitcoin miners out of China because they didn't, don't like Bitcoin anymore. Um, so they went somewhere else and went to Kazakhstan and, they, uh, and other places, but they pushed up the price of electricity so much that they were causing blackouts in Kazakhstan and um, high, uh, it was high energy prices, and um, in the winter in Kazakhstan, it's cold and high, and it's not a richer country. And blackouts, higher prices. Yeah, um, people well, got angry. Led to civil unrest. Then. Civil unrest. Yeah, okay. President forced to flee. The Russians come in, um, crack up down on it. I don't know how badly that went down. Probably mm -hmm. pretty badly, yeah. but you know that's pretty badly. Um, Kosovo um, recently imposed a ban on on cryptocurrency mining in the country because similarly. It was causing um, problems with electricity supply in the country because there was so much of it um, here. Come across that either, so there are actual like, drains on national infrastructure when you allow them. Yeah, because Kosovo has a particular problem because lots of people aren't paying their electricity bills at all. They're getting free electricity because they don't they don't accept the legitimacy of the government, so they just get because they're there. They, they believe in the part of Serbia, so they they don't pay their bills, and that means they get free electricity, uh, and you can't cut them off because it's. So this is issues. almost why they've exclusively so they, went so, there. Yeah, so it's, it's great for, for running a cryptocurrency thing. You don't have you get the hardware that's come out of China and you've exported it where it used to be in a factory. You plug it in in, Serb in Kosovo. You don't pay any electricity bills, but obviously someone has to pay, right? And yep. they're drawing lots of power. And uh, so Kosovo has banned it. Of course, I imagine that hasn't worked very well because the people who are doing it are already not paying their electricity bills. Yeah. Are oh, they going to follow a law saying you're not allowed to do it? But at least it means the police turn up, find a bunch of cryptocurrency mining hardware. They say, okay, we're going to take all that because right. it's illegal to have that. And in the oh, US, um, fossil fuel power plants that were shut down have been turned back on again because there's now a, a shipping container full of cryptocurrency mining things plugged into the power station. Just And that's what the power station runs, is it runs the cryptocurrency. Wow. Um, and yeah. obviously, there's a lot of money it takes to buy all this yeah, electricity. Yeah. And that's coming from people investing into Bitcoin and their investments are paying for electricity. And then it's gone, right? You've burnt that. Mm -hmm. And that investment can't come back out again and left the system. That's one of the things that I think when we were talking back and forth in the beginning was I was like, I don't I see how people invest in other markets, other, you know, as you say, stocks, currency, whatever it happens to be. Um, and these things are long term or, you know, you know, but with Bitcoin... I feel like the people that are putting money in it are doing it because they expect to take sort of mere back out. Well, the the sort of chat that you hear is that, you know, this is going to be like you're investing in the starts of the new Federal Reserve. Sort of like this sort of conversation seems to be a sort of common thing, right? It's definitely a talking point that the, the bros are coming up with, but at the same time, it is the exact opposite uh -huh. of a central bank. Isn't it? So you what's, know what I mean? what's the chat with that? Like people thinking that this is going to become... You know, like a one-world currency or something that we're going to be, you know, investing in it early. Well, I mean, Bitcoin, for example, is definitely never going to be a world currency. It's a really rubbish currency because it is—you can't do that many transactions in a in a, a period of time. So uh, I can't remember exactly, but how many? But you you have a every ten minutes is a block. So if you want to put, do a transaction, you have you can only do you have to wait at least ten minutes, and actually you have to wait several blocks. So got to make an hour before you know where yeah. the money is after you spend the money uh -huh. and if you're familiar with like 
um, sending money between bank accounts with banks in the UK. It's basically instant, right? Mm-hmm. You, uh, you send from one account, it appears in the other account. Like Bitcoin, you're waiting an hour to know mm-hmm. whether or not it's got there. Right. Um, and also the total number of transactions is severely limited as well. So it's using um, like 0.55% of global electricity, but its capacity to do transactions is, you know, you could do it all on one Raspberry Pi in your bedroom that has enough power computationally to run the whole thing if you weren't doing the proof of work nonsense right and and the, and it's just it's just completely and utterly ridiculous and the re- and like the whole the thing with this proof of work thing this um the run doing the mining it's all to pick a random number it's all to mean that so- someone gets to be the next miner and no one can sort of falsify who it should be or cheat in any way they just have to burn all electricity it's the only way to do it it's kind of you have to burn capital in order to, to get the right to gain yeah um new coins there are other ways of doing it um so there are there are the likelihood as if we went to if and the you know the the dream the dream impossible dream world of the crypto grows if it wasn't an actual global currency it, it would really impact people's ability to actually process transact like there would be like tangible negative effects of that actually yeah. being the case so 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 bitcoin's completely out of the picture there are other cryptocurrencies that are much faster and much mm-hmm. more efficient and don't use proof of work at all. So there, you don't have to burn all this electricity. Um, you can use things like proof of stake, um, which um, where you 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 you're doing kind of proof. I already have lots of money in this currency, and that's what what justifies my ability to make me to run things. Is if mm-hmm. I make if I mess if I cheat here, I lose all the money that I've sort of staked on um, doing this my job properly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then you kind of this argument, well, you're you making the people who are rich get to become richer because they can then do this mining thing. Yeah. But um, currently, whether it works with Bitcoin or other proof of work things is you're rich, you've bought the electricity, you've bought the hardware, and that means you get the rights to do these things. Mm-hmm. It, there's always this capital um, uh, win in these things. And there are a couple of other alternative things, like there's the, there's the proof of how many hard disks I have strategy. Where you buy lots of hard disks, and that pushes up the price of hard disks for everyone else. Uh, and it's just as, well, pretty much as much of an energy problem, right. resources problem. And there's a proof of how much RAM I have, and there's a proof of how many GPUs I have, right. and all these things are just alternative ways of picking random numbers mm-hmm. that um, are basically equally bad because they're saying, I have lots of stuff that I'm wasting. Look how much waste I can make. Yeah. And like um, doing currency by how big is my dustbin is not really a good way of. <laughs> um, of no, doing it. Right. But I think to normal people, like Bitcoin has become a sort of umbrella term, right? So yeah. what you, you were saying there that there's other currencies that exist that are better and you know they're doing things better. But um so what's the difference between Bitcoin and uh other cryptos like what explain a wee bit of that just so people understand. Yeah, okay. So there's so Bitcoin basically exists as a construct in terms of like people have defined what the rules are for how it works and some code that implements it um and then as with any kind of currency its value is based on the belief people have that it has yeah. value and that they want to use it if they don't want to use it it's worth nothing it's worth nothing yeah. right um and there are other cryptocurrencies that have similar rules different rules you can ha- just change the code mm. in whatever way you like and if people want to use it, then it has value. If people don't want to use it, it has no value. Yeah. Um, and so a lot you see a lot of this kind of, this is going to be the next big thing, because that is exactly how it has value, because people believe it's going to be the next big thing. Yeah. So that that's why the whole culture gets like this. It's the right. the, the value of the thing is, comes from people being able to create this hype around okay. this thing. So you're almost betting on the coin going viral. Yes. So, right. And okay. if you bought some of it, then every incentive you have is to make it go viral because that's how you cash right. out. You want people to buy your investment. So you then become the amplifier for it as well yes. as the investor. So, so you, everyone who invests in a currency has an incentive to overstate its value and to encourage people to buy it because then that means it has value up and they can sell and get their money back. And if they are lucky and they sell when it's high, um, they win. And if they're unlucky, they sell when it's yeah. low and they lose money um and then you like kind of i guess one one thing that i think is important for listeners to 
remember is that if you see a billboard advertising an investment product, then it's probably a bad deal. Because <laughs> yeah. if it was a good deal, there's lots of money out there. <laughs> yeah, if you've got yeah. a good way of making money, you can take out a loan and you can invest it in your right. surefire way of making money. And the bank ain't going and to know taking billboards out for still and all the... Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? So, so you 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 invest the money in your in surefire making money, money making thing. It gets a better return than the rate of the loan. You make your billions. You retire happy. You don't need ordinary customers to buy yeah. your thing because if you re it's really good, you can get a loan for it, and it'll be better value, right? So, if someone's doing billboards and advertising, that means there's value to them in get, in in selling you this thing that's enough of an additional value to pay for the billboards. Yeah. Um. Right. Wow. Okay. We're not coming up with many pauses. <laughs> so let's, if we talk about like, um, like Matt was saying earlier, right? Every follower on your Instagram account is like Vortex and, you know, trading advice. There's, I get them. I get Bet365 guys and I get the crypto guys, right? So, I mean, they're all scamming really. It's got, it's got to be, but you see the sort of Glasgow Crypto Club, how does that work? What's going on there? Like, we, are they, like, um, like, traders, are they getting money for people and then they're making the decisions on the crypto? Do you know how that works? There, there's, there's a kind of, there's a range of different approaches. So, like, there are companies that will, um, and there are exchanges where you buy and sell these things and, um, and cryptocurrencies and they get value kind of, they're basically banks, but without the financial regulation that comes with being a bank in general. Mm -hmm. There are specific instances where so there are regulations. This is like, yeah. But it's basically you you invest you invest in an exchange, it's like putting your money in a bank, except they don't have the financial compensation scheme. There's no guarantee they actually have the money that they say right. they so have. So this is like Binance and eToro. Is that the exchanges? Yeah. Like that type of thing. Right, okay. Uh -huh. So um if you put your money in a in a in a real bank, then they have to comply with regulations to make sure they have enough a certain percentage of that money has to still be in the bank and they have to be confident about where the rest of the money is invested. That they yeah. believe they can pay you out. With cryptocurrencies, there's no guarantee that they have to actually be able to pay you if you want to be paid. Like, it just there isn't because there's no there's not a no law saying they have to. Um, and so it might if everyone takes their money out, it might be that it's not there. Right? They don't have as many bitcoins yeah. as they have people who who have in their account says I, I have mean, bitcoins. I don't know if it's <laughs> really. I, 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 there's no there's no. I mean, they're not required to by law. Dude, I was watching. The and no one's audit, no one's auditing their account. Yep. So they might not. So I seen one in the build up to this where it was um we talked about it briefly, but again we'll maybe touch on it as we go because we're gonna get to like security and stuff like that next. Um but this this scheme essentially was one of these like fifty one percent attacks and they basically like lifted what was it at the time, something like six hundred million dollars. And like the actual guys who were responsible for it didn't notice for six days that like 600 million or whatever the value obviously the value fluctuates but at that time when it went the bitcoin or the you know the, the cryptocurrency that left their account as a result of this attack was six days before they spotted it and you're just like you know wow. I mean, like, okay. so it's not even that they're not regulating it it's that sometimes they're not even paying attention you right know what okay. I mean? like, wow and there's, there's there's a lot of incentive to to kind of do these attacks like in the in the kind of um, normal global banking system. It, it's no the global banking system is not perfect. There's lots of things that are wrong with it. Yeah. Um, but there's a degree of certainty that you can have. Um, that um, most of the time, if someone opens <clears> an account, there probably was a real person who had some sort of identification that they showed to take out the account. Yeah. And maybe there's there's fraud and there's problems, but there's a degree of difficulty of creating an account without yeah. being a real person. Um. Uh. Lots of cryptocurrency stuff deliberately isn't there, aren't those kind of checks now there are places where that is they do 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 know your customer but not everywhere um and with cryptocurrencies if you do a transaction then it's done mm -hmm. it can't be undone there's no revocation been there yeah um written into, into the blockchain forever and ever um with with in banking system if you make a mistake or someone does a fraud mm -hmm. most of the time a lot of the time you can get the money back yeah. like the, the bank will refund you for the fraud um you hope um and they can go to the bank it went to and try and get the money back 
And there are regulations hopefully coming through that will make it that more likely and the banks will be obliged to do that and that will make things in the bank system better. But in cryptocurrency, there's no repudiation. You can't say, it was a scam, it was crime, I want my money back. Yeah. Just can't. Um, and that means that there's every incentive for a criminal to go, well, I steal this money, I get to keep it. And no one could ever say they want it back. I've got this now. Yeah. In a way that wasn't wasn't the case before and there's better kind of, just easier to run off with the money. Mm-hmm. And in a way that you didn't used to be able to do. Yeah. And that's that's probably where, again, we're going to say, like the security side of things, one of the big selling points that you'll get on Instagram or YouTube or whatever the guys are out there sort of pushing their content and their ideas is like the idea of like it's secure. Uh, you know, the blockchain is this indelible record that, you know, and fair enough, that is, you know, true to like an extent. Um, but at the same time, they, they talk about it in very like you cannot like basically commit crime with us because we know we'll know there'll be records you can and there, like you say there are instances where they are finding it um but there are also other things out there one of the ones i came across was a uh, tornado.cash that was essentially one of these they, they called it a tumbler which i'm not really sure but essentially it was like a digital wire essentially messing with the blockchain record um as i say you can create the account and like that 600 million that we were talking about they've seen which wallet it went to they knew that it sat there for 38 days and so on and so forth but they had absolutely no idea like who the account actually yeah. belonged to um and i think that's one the one of the big concerns for me there is that you know security is one of the things that has been used to promote this type of transaction this type of investment but the reality is is that you know, I they can see where your wallet is, but you could be, you could in some cases be literally anybody, and there is no ways for them to interfere with the validity of that blockchain yeah. as well. So that there are some cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin where you can you can track where the money's gone. You don't know who's got it, but you know where it is. And yeah. if they spend it somewhere where they do do know your customer, mm-hmm. then you can go right. Okay, who spent that money? Yeah, because they were coming off, and I want it back. Um. I think another another standard practices to actually ransom the money back to them, isn't it? You know what I mean? So they steal your money, and then rather than trying to spend it, they go, "Well, you can have it back for like ten percent, or you know, twenty percent of what we've got, or something like that." Like, I don't know how common that is, but in a few instances yeah, I came that across, that was the kind of way they get run that. Where like, it's in this account, and everybody can see it, so you can't spend it. So what do you do? You go back to the guys just owe the money for him, and how much put it back? Yeah, but also you can spend it. You just spend it. It's just there's um, there's not there's not a lot. The kind of quality of the the um, anti-money laundering protections mm-hmm. is pretty poor, so you can usually spend criminal proceeds. Yeah, um, it is there's a risk, right? Um, but there are also <coughs> other cryptocurrencies which are deliberately designed so that you can't do that. You mm-hmm. can't see where the money's gone. It's always anonymous. You know how much money you want to can prove they got the right, the much money that's in their account, mm-hmm. but you don't know. You can't tell where it's gone from, come from, and that's a deliberate design decision. Yeah. But the fundamental issue is that, like, yes, we have this reportedly indelible record about where the money's gone but <laughs> actually that's not what you want yeah because that's not security like when you if you have a uh, like something like a birth certificate it's an identity document if you make a mistake on a birth certificate when you write it mm-hmm. it is possible to get that fixed yeah you have to pay money but like and there's a process but you can fix it if you write a contract and you sign it and everyone signed it and then you spot a bug in the contract and you've made a mistake and 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 if both parties agree it's a mistake then you can make a new one and you can sign it yeah sort it fixed um um and if one person does they go that's a horrible clause and it's no it's, it's not improper then you can go to court and you can say this is an unfair contract and there's the law and, and, a, and a judge can strike down that contract as being all that part of it oh. as being unfair in there's recourse in cryptocurrencies someone makes a bug in some smart contract which is a computer program that runs on the blockchain well tough live with it i know you've lost all your money but you wanted security right and security is that once something bad has happened you can't fix it and and that's not that's not the definition of security that i like to use in like products that i would want people to build yeah um so, so that's kind of the fundamental difference is that in not being able to change something ever, there's a value in that in an audit log, like who did what? Yeah. 
and like from a, and, and lots of the ideas of then crypto have really useful applications um just not this not this <laughs> um so like so like for example they append only blockchain log thing in log files for who did what on a, in a computer system yeah great bad people can't undo stuff and there's ways of making sure that works well but it's kind of got good properties yeah um and and transparency about where money's gone there's great value in that and having one of the good things that has come out of crypto is people thinking harder about their databases that they keep all their data in and mm-hmm. how they work and how, how um thinking about how they talk to each other and yep. how well secure they are and all these things like that, that's kind of good um and making databases exciting that's a, that's a good thing databases are fun people are under, under they're underappreciated um but most of the other stuff is yeah it's not yeah. good so see that like the the people that we're talking about that are contacting people on social media and stuff like that how are they making money like what what are they well get? you buy early and then you persuade people people to buy it from you so you buy something for cheap when it's not worth very much and then you talk it up on social media so its value goes up and then you sell it and if it goes up a thousand percent well that's a really nice um you know payday it's a very like um multi-level marketing feel to me yes it is so yeah. what, so i was going to say no. if it's an mlm then like, really so these guys are they're they're buying they're buying you know cryptocurrencies then they're getting a couple of hundred people into a discord group getting them to buy into that cryptocurrency and then that's how they make their money yeah yeah right and and same goes with nfts that people that you, you people they do things like you you have um someone gets some bit of digital art that they may or may not have any right to anyway mm-hmm. they make it into an nft and i think the open which is one of the big providers said that like 80 something percent of everything that was done for free on their platform was a fake or a fraud in some way right like, like it's ridiculous and i think they might have a paid thing as well but the free stuff most of it was fake um uh, and then and then you buy it from yourself with a different account um and then you buy it from that account with another account and you're because uh, you're paying money to yourself it doesn't matter how much you're spending right you can buy your yeah. something from yourself for a hundred thousand pounds you still have a hundred thousand pounds um but then it, oh look how fast the value of this thing's going up yeah and then you sell it to some um someone else yeah who doesn't know the, the, all the three previous they've, owners they've of your, seen it friends of you 50 quid to 150 quid to a thousand and went oh right i need to get on this yeah so then um, they buy it and then if they ever try and sell it well good luck to them because it never had any real value the only that. other you only you only ever bought it from the original well, artist is actually too strong a word because they might not have actually been the artist but yeah um because that's not necessarily the artist that's minting the nft in the first place um, do you want to move on to NFTs? I think so because this is the, the kind of next step. As we were saying, it's become a lot of this stuff is starting to like enter a more sort of general sort of zeitgeist and like you know people coming more and more aware of NFTs in the last sort of year eighteen months definitely feel like one that it kind of came out of nowhere when it was first explained to me. I was a bit like, I, again, I don't get how that makes any kind of sense. It does, but then it has now become. I mean, just as you were coming in the day, we were talking about, I'd, I'd seen a, a thing called Crypto Island. And um, it was people who had essentially minted one-off NFTs um, that equated to a plot of land on some Fijian island. Um, and that apparently a fairly standard business model is is more are sold from the whatever hundred that you minted. I think it was like 60 plots of land they expected these nfts to relate to on this uh, fijian island and um the first guy bought his for a hundred thousand pounds but throughout the process they expected the sort of last of the nfts to go for somewhat seven hundred and fifty thousand um or dollars or whatever it was they were talking about um but they didn't tell anybody was that the guy who bought the first plot of land was the guy who was like the ceo of the entire company so again he was getting that ball rolling to then show how kind of just exactly as you've described how it's increased in value and then can move on but it turns out that they didn't have any rights to the land um the nft itself entitled them you know to like land there was no like state-of-the-art house there was no swimming pools there was no roads sewage there was no infrastructure there was nothing 
So they were essentially like I it was it was like magic beans that they were selling these people. Um and obviously that kind of just fell apart pretty quickly. Um but I think the other one I've seen it start to creep into like gaming where um one of the examples was a, a game that's again you have to pay to begin playing the game and throughout the process of playing the game it somehow mined crypto that you would then be entitled to you know a percentage of or whatever but the buy-in fee for the game was so exorbitant that what was actually happening was that people in places like the philippines and stuff like that were being hired from out of country to like basically play this game to make you know a level of crypto for someone else who then paid them an even sort of smaller percentage um, based on like their NFT, whatever their NFTs are and stuff. It's, I, it's, I, I didn't quite get it, which is clear through what I'm saying here, but it has now went through being something that I kind of was associating with cryptocurrency to now being potentially used in like property and gaming. Like it, is, it seems like the idea of NFTs is, is another, it's starting to sort of permeate into other things again. But again, it still feels kind of pyramid scheme to me, to be honest with you, because I don't get how a digital anything like holds its value because we look at the guy jack who started twitter he nft'd his first ever tweet and it was like you know testing or so it was like a pure innocuous tweet that he minted and somebody bought it from him i think it was like 2.9 million dollars and this guy who then bought it for him put it back up in whatever marketplace that you sell these things in and was asking for like whatever 40 million dollars and like People were just like, no. <laughs> I mean, like, mm. and this thing's value depreciated like like a stone almost like, overnight. And I'm like, I don't get how it, it doesn't do that. You know what I mean? Like where you invest in, in a bit of art, there's like, again, that tangible thing that you have at the other end of it that no matter what happens, unless somebody comes in and steals your, you know, fancy whatever painting, you know, it's there, you've got it. You know what I mean? Whereas like these digital things, I see a lot of people off because people were screenshotting their nfts and stuff like that and you're like you've and then again it doesn't give you the rights to it it's just you have some quasi ownership of this like one digital so thing what, what what is an nft supposed to be like what's it stands for non-fungible token and i mean it's supposed to be that there's there's this there's this token that you have in some way that you can prove that you've got but no one else has the same thing so like um, all pound coins are the same, but these but these things are all, they're all different. Um, but in practice, it's basically a load of nonsense. Um, because what actually you have is you have you you've proved that you've got a hash of a or in some way of a of a JSON file, which is like a bit of text mm -hmm. that describes something, which is basically a URL to where the place where there's supposed to be an image. Now, and that sounds a bit ropey. Because it is ropey, right? And there's no guarantee that the thing that your thing is pointing to stays as, is the same thing as it was. So some people have got mm -hmm. some fun NFTs where it changes what image it shows every single time you look at it. Every person who looks at it gets a different image. Now, you've bought an image, right? But everyone who sees it sees a different image because you can just change the thing that you point at the other end. Mm -hmm. So it can be could be anything. It doesn't actually... It's no... It's not like the image is actually the actual image is on the blockchain in any way, or the audio file or whatever it is. It's not actually stored yeah. on the blockchain. There's a hash to a thing that can be changed that is stored on the blockchain. There's none of this immutability of a guarantee. Yep. So you don't actually have any of this crypto validity. Yeah. And also um I kind of think that there's, there's, there is a real problem that it's trying to solve. Right? So Digital art, how can you sell digital art in a way, in a meaningful way? Yeah. It kind of, that, that's not, that's the problem that hasn't been solved. And basically, the only way you can do that is there has to be some sort of legislative thing that means that you can say, you can sell a bit of digital art and that someone has the sole right to that thing that is a way meaningful in law. And that doesn't exist, right? Right. And you have this, this copyright, but there's not, you, you can't like transfer ownership of an image to, in a way that that's um well i guess you can transfer copyright or something but mm -hmm. but um but that's that's um but that's kind of what the nfts are trying to find to solve yeah so they're trying to create like the digital version of going and buying the original canvas yeah. the original piece of art uh, the rather bizarre. than a print 
There was yeah, a you could, collector right. who digitized his entire like high end like art collection. Like, yeah, this guy's art collection was supposed to be some like seventy million dollars. Like, and the the NFT is literally like almost like JPEGs and actually all his various bits of art. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was trying to shift it for like an equivalent value, and people were just like, absolutely not. Yeah. So because fundamentally, the these kind of with NFTs, it only has any meaning or value if people believe that it does. Mm-hmm. And and the great like law is not a perfect thing, but it has it kind of has a social backing in that it's been been voted on by the parliament, elected by the people of a particular country, or let's just assume democracies for best purposes. Um. So, so that means it has a value because, um, and if the law says something, then you can disagree with it, but there's a status that comes with it. But legally, you own something. Well, you know, legally you own it, right? Mm-hmm. And that means people, most people will abide by that and the courts will back you up and so on. Um, but with NFTs, some bit of code somewhere says you own it. There's a web page that someone could change that says you own it. Uh, and if you don't like it, there's no recourse. There's no court of law that's going to help you out. Right? So you're, you're on your own. And and so that what you can't really put, at least in my opinion, millions and millions of pounds into something with such a weak guarantee. Like it might break tomorrow and then you'd have nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can't, and you, okay, like, like the Twitter example, you, you buy something for several million and people only want, Two hundred dollars for it now, yeah, and that's a huge loss. Like, I mean, how? Who? I, I mean, I, I don't just really understand you how. Apply an intrinsic value to something doesn't mean that anyone else is obliged to agree. I like you. it's exactly like if you, you know, it's only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. Ultimately, yeah. that's the same for everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like one minute you've got a camera that's worth a couple of grand, and then it's obsolete, and it like, feels oh, it's like worth nothing. Like you the try assumption and, that people make in relation to art, especially like you know. The type of stuff that's gone in like a you know a Sotheby's or whatever it happens to be is that it has value that will appreciate over time because it's a famous artist or you know that's, these things yeah. that I don't think it's possible to have that with these NFTs in that sense because again as you say there's uh, there's no agreement that you know just because it was Jack for Twitter that it has some value because he has a level of fame. It's just, On the Twitter you know thing I mean? is well, a no been talked the last couple of days that Elon Musk is going to try and monetize quote tweets and. <clears throat> try and give some sort of like money back to the original tweeter or he's he's yet to actually buy twitter so oh, right we'll okay. see whether he actually so succeeds in buying right, it right, and yeah. um not everything that he says is true no um and so they definitely toyed with like nft profile pictures and that was i, I, I think there was an update that was rolled back at one point where people were trying it and then this is where people were like, oh, but somebody just screenshotted my yeah, but how do they? Profile. I think the thing is, is like you're saying, you've got the legal system and if you own something, physically own it, or if you've got copyright to something or the patent, somebody uses it, you can go to court. How do you take somebody to court for using a picture? Well, or how do they enforce it? Like, how are they going Basically, to- so there's this, there's this claim that it's all distributed, blah, 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 and it's no one, no one has complete control. And actually, like, there were like three companies and they have complete control because they run the systems that are the only way people use to interact with nfts yeah and so no one can ever censor you but if open sea censors you then you're censored because no one will be able to see that you own the thing because they've removed it from their public facing api and it's not on their website anymore and so it doesn't exist and okay it's somewhere in some blockchain it says you own something but no one basically almost no one can never see that mm-hmm. and it's basically even becomes completely irrelevant mm-hmm. so there's like on one hand you've got they're supposed to have this complete security guarantee and on the other hand there are three companies that total that are the complete arbiter of what is true and and, and exists yeah. and then and you have no recourse to them whatsoever because no legal relationship you have with them um so they could just delete stuff and i think it's another one as well like that as we spoke about with the mining of you know cryptocurrency like the actual, I mean, these NFTs are being hosted on a server somewhere in perpetuity, whether you're looking at them or not. 
So well, could... they might not be in perpetuity. Lots of them are broken, right? Then right. they're, they're, they're supposed to be in perpetuity and they're not really. Yeah. Um, but also they're still using a blockchain that's based on proof of work. Mm-hmm. So they're still burning the planet in order to create them in the first place. So the act of creating an NFT is a kind of also an act of ecological devastation. Like it's basically should it be a crime maybe it should be a crime to make nfts because of how awful it, the consequences of doing so mm-hmm. it's just it's just ridiculously wasteful mm-hmm. um uh i know i guess like um maybe the law hasn't caught up on, on that yet but it's just this is probably something we might have touched on just as we're getting i think we're getting towards sort of wrapping up we've actually got through quite a lot what i was gonna um <clears throat> like where do you see the nfts where do you see that going? Um, I don't know where it's going to end up. I think that the that the there is I think there was a genuine problem they're trying to solve, and that it would be worth um, a a government coming up with a legal system that meant that you could do the kind of thing they're trying to do with, with NFTs mm-hmm. in a way that was backed by law in the way that was efficient, that you could do this transfer of ownership thing in a way that was believable. Maybe that's worth doing, or maybe we just go, well, copyright already exists. Just transfer the copyright of it. That's yeah. what it's for. Um, and maybe there's ways of making that easier. Kind of, kind of, the value here is that there's this, or you can auction these things off and trade yeah. them around. Um, and maybe there's some value in that, and doing that in a way that doesn't involve blockchain necessarily, but has a actual basis in something real or I guess more real than well, that was just <laughs> what it is now. Yeah. Um, but I, what actually would happen, I don't know because I guess what I would like to happen is I would like for regulation to catch up with crypto and mm-hmm. for the people who, if you run an exchange doing cryptocurrency, then you have to do know your customer. You have to follow the same regulations as you have to do around banking and you can't use proof of work because that, burns the planet and anything incompatible with the future of civilization should be illegal because <laughs> yeah <laughs> how many have we not learned this lesson already yeah. yeah um uh so i mean what i'd like to happen is for proof of work to be banned in the uk and scotland everywhere in the world because it just has no place because it it's not compatible with human civilization mm-hmm. yeah and we should ban those things um well does it look like it's going well the the eu is thinking about um, banning proof of work, um, and various countries have done that. Not not the UK government. Yeah, um, if they're listening, um, I should go on with it. Um, uh, and that's pushed like China's banned mining in China, and it's pushed it into ended up in the US and other mm-hmm. places. Um, and I guess that there's there's a there's a risk then that comes with with that that eventually, if the law it moves slowly, very slowly, often, yeah. But eventually it catches up with you. And the thing that with with uh, why in tech you need to do ethics is because you don't want to be left holding the corrupt business model to be made illegal when the law finally catches yeah. up with you. So you have to make sure you've thought about it in advance. And if something's a really bad idea because you know, it kills everyone or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> don't do it to start off with yeah find a business model right. that doesn't involve that so if we get is like the crypto community just like a sort of bu- bunch of like jordan bell floors at the moment where sooner or later the walls are going to sort of like come in and the business practices are all going to be illegal and the trading's going to kind of just stop um i would like to think that there's a lot of money in it so the, the and, and money does talk uh, often quite loudly yeah um so on one hand, there are people who've made billions by scamming people. And therefore, the people who, the people who've, the people who've lost their money. And eventually, they might get grumpy. Some of them already are. But, um, but there's the kind of, there's the pressure that comes from that. And like the, 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 the people who lost their money talking to all their politicians and saying, it's not on. Why haven't you done something about it? Yeah. But there's also, there's a, there's a lot of, um, lobbying that goes on on behalf of cryptocurrencies like and, and for, from a point of perspective of a politician who doesn't have a background in technology and talks to these people they sound like they know that what they're talking about if they've got kind of credentials they made this money they think it's about innovation and we want a company, company yeah. to be innovative and it's about security and security is a great thing and the uk's got and scotland have this cyber resilience policies and so on it sounds great um 
It sounds great, but it is awful. So um, it's kind of, so it's, it's again, it's a question about who, who wins the argument in the end. feels like we're very much in that kind of, little, you know, we were light years behind in terms of our legislation when it came to like big data and stuff like that. And then obviously we had things like Cambridge Analytica and it became like, you know, a big thing, vote leave and so on and so forth that people were trying to get to grips with when the experts were like, we've been saying for like 10 years that we needed to sort this shit out before something like this happened. And we just, we just mm. didn't because the people in charge maybe didn't quite understand it to the extent that they needed to. And I almost feel as if that's maybe where, kind of where we're just now, where I think there is clearly this need for like some form of regulation, but it doesn't seem to me as though there's any kind of meaningful global regulation. And, and looking, I don't think there's any meaningful stuff that instantly jumped out to me about how the UK is approaching it either. And I, with the propensity, I, I, as I say, as it's on people's phones, it's, you know, and their YouTubes and all these other things. Well, I think we're probably at the stage now where we, it feels like we need to start having a more serious conversation about how it's regulated. Yeah, I mean, so the Financial Conduct Authority and um, and so on, they, they do have powers that they could use and they have deliberately chosen not to. And mm-hmm. um, and the, some of my colleagues have done, done a lot of kind of engaging with them, going, look, there are stuff you could do. You could be insisting on know your customer. You could be interpreting the law in ways that are compatible with the law in a way that would mean that they wouldn't be able to do this kind of nonsense anymore. Right. Um, and they've chosen not to um, for, ver- for various reasons. I mean, it's, it's not it's not an easy uh, decision. Um, and and similarly, the, like, the, the politicians have not stepped up to that either and not said, like, you have to do that. Yeah. Um, so they could. They could just turn around and say, like, you're a bank. You have to do what the banks do. And that, that means you have to do all this stuff. And... And that basically that probably means they did cease to exist. I always thought I, um, anybody I, that survived would be at least operating on a legitimate basis. Yeah. Uh, and similarly with um, with like proof of work, you can just ban things like that. You can say you're not allowed to do that kind of thing. Um, it was, I mean, there are all sorts of things that are banned in the UK. Mm-hmm. And you could ban doing this. And okay, someone can run some code in their bedroom and and you wouldn't know but if someone's um uh running a big bitcoin mining thing mm-hmm. you're gonna know uh, and if someone's a investing digital fracking <laughs> i mean more... yeah so it's, it's, it's like yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's like it's like fracking maybe um maybe worse maybe not i'm not sure um but um uh but but you can also like you can't invest millions of pounds in bitcoin if it's illegal to do so mm-hmm. because it's just it's just ridiculous risk right so yeah. and if any of the walls start coming down and with like the eu bringing in regulations against it with the us bringing it well the uk is not so so big but it's big enough that people will go oh right okay and then eventually bitcoin's gonna crack finally gonna crash still needs a way to get all its russian money back out of the country <laughs> so yeah so so like the, the, there's there's a okay so any of anyone listening owns cryptocurrencies that are based in proof of work i i, I would say that well either Either regulation catches up with proof of work and it ceases to exist, and all the value eventually becomes zero. So I would sell now before it becomes zero, mm-hmm. or uh, it doesn't, and it continues to use up vast quantities of electricity and uh, put huge quantities of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and human civilization collapses. And those are the choices you've got. And when you've got that kind of choice, there's a, there's a, there's a really obvious choice. You choose the option where humanity survives because. You have to bank on that one, right? You certainly hope so. <laughs> you can't. You can't pick the other option because there's no value there, right? And you can't eat money. You pick the option where you money buys food rather than where you have money and no food. Yeah. Um. So so that that's kind of the that's kind of the choice that we, we've got, and I'm hopeful that eventually politicians will choose make uh, make a good choice on that. You get rid of oil and gas first and then uh-huh. before any crap but, you, but, you, but you can do this faster right like one of the things like with the energy crisis at the moment bitcoin mining has a big enough impact on global energy prices to um cause a revolution in kazakhstan to cause blackouts in kosovo yeah like okay it's not going to mean that your the october price rise isn't going to be devastatingly huge um and but millions of people in the, in the UK into, in the, into misery, but it might help a little bit. And we could do that. We could do it tomorrow. And yeah. the only people, okay, so some ordinary people who are being tricked, have been scammed, would lose out. 
And a lot of people who made a lot of money by doing dodgy stuff would lose a lot of money for the dodgy stuff. Yeah. And um, my heart doesn't bleed too much for them. Okay. There are no, the, the, no. the, the victims out there and they would, they would lose money. But mostly it's going to go to the, the crypto bros who've been mm-hmm. doing a load of nonsense. They lose out. But, but, you know, people would have not to have to pay quite a little bit less, hopefully, on their bills at the end of the year. Yeah. We could do it tomorrow. The impact on the, like, the global market is just... Like it's insane. Aye, it's crazy. Like, I think, I think that's us. Isn't I it? Mean, really? I I'm, 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 not, like, I've really enjoyed the chat. Like, it's been great to actually like finally get out of the line. Um, as I say, I'm definitely going to be like digging a wee bit deeper. And I mean, it's time. actually good to know what's actually going on rather than just looking at some numbers where people are just hitting you with like numbers and graphs and you're looking at it and you're thinking, mm-hmm. maybe this thing's kind of legit. And then you find out what's actually behind it. It's like, all right, okay. So definitely it feels like there is the potential for, as you say, if you're treating it like this is money that I can't afford, I, I can afford to lose, there might be like small short-term like financial gains. But I think we've pretty much extensively covered the reason that like for like an ethical and moral uh-huh. point of view, it's really no something that I don't think I'll ever now find myself invested in any of these markets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Personally, but again, this is not financial advice. Ah, of course, of course. <laughs> no, I mean, there are, there, are, there are things you can invest in that have value and make money and mm-hmm. you can understand why there should be value in them. And yeah, you you take, take financial advice and invest in something worth investing in. Right. Um, Excellent. Right, thanks very much for, Thank you for having me. Not at all, man. It's been great. Thanks.